630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. 20 seconds to go. Reshot save Talbot. Rebound Tablo Blupin. Reshot Martinez save Talbot. Kopitar bangs it off the back of the head. 12 seconds. Reshot Martinez save made by Cam Talbot. Here come the Oilers. 2 on 1 to win it. McDavid in for the left hand side. Dry side awaits. There's the center pass. Left Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Well, it's become a somewhat summer tradition here, at least for this summer, that we start the show with the Eskimos injury update. They were back at practice today. No Almondo Sewell. No Marcus Howard practicing. We'll see if they can uh, get back at it as we move towards the Eskimos' eighth game of the season. It's against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers on Thursday. And, of course, we have it for you here on 6.30, Chad. 5 o'clock for the countdown to kick off. The game will start at 6.30. Dave Campbell and Morley Scott will describe the action to you. The Eskimos have been successful for a lot of reasons this season. But I think the two most position sets, the most important position sets in the CFL are quarterback and defensive line. The quarterback's been healthy, and he's been excellent. And Mike Riley, quite frankly, is the best player in the league to this point in the season. The D-line has also been relatively healthy. Well, now that's being strained as well. Sewell and Howard will see uh, if they're able to play. Not sure, especially about Howard as we move uh, towards the game. But I can tell you, back at practice today, were four guys back at practice. How about that? Receiver Duke Williams, defensive back Gary Peters, and two offensive linemen, Justin Sorensen and Danny Groove. Sorensen, the center, you know how important he has been, and uh, Danny Groove's been working really hard as a replacement to the injured Simeon Rotier on the O-line. If things hold up throughout the week, I think you could expect an offensive line on Thursday, left to right, of Figueroa, Gru, Sorensen, O'Donnell, and Kelly with DeAnthony Batiste, who's a tackle who had to play guard last game, uh, likely moved to the number six role, and he's a pretty valuable guy to have at number six. How are you doing? It is 6.08. It is Inside Sports on Eskimos and Oilers Radio, 6.30, Ched. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks to Brendan Ulrich for filling in last week. Really appreciate it. I had a wonderful week, a lot of family stuff. Congratulations to my lovely cousin, Kalina, and her marriage to Kyle. They're going to make an awesome couple. I was pleased to uh, do a little emceeing and, uh, and help with the setup for that joyous event. That was awesome. And I did realize something else while I was away about the 14, 14 of you who loyally listen to this show. I love you. You? Complete me. That's really what I learned. During my week off. I also learned Game of Thrones is a really good show. So you're going to now hear more Game of Thrones Game of Thrones references on Inside Sports in the weeks and months to come. So I hope you're okay with that. Oh, and here's the thing for those of you who are already up to date on it. You're going to be hearing stuff from the past. I'm only five episodes in. I'm halfway through the first season. And uh, Brendan Ulrich, is, who's, a, who's right up to date on it, has been saying, you got to catch up. you got to catch up so I can talk to you without spoiling everything. Anyway, 
that'll be a, a fun ride along the way. Tell you what, you can text 63630. There's always open line time, 780-496-0063. If you're inclined to send an email, not that many people are, Inside Sports at 630Ched.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at Reed Wilkins, R-E-I-D-W-I-L-K-I-N-S. As we move along tonight, actually in about five or six minutes, we're going to bring in Mike Benavides, the defensive coordinator and assistant head coach of your undefeated Edmonton Eskimos. Wade Redden will join us tonight as well, former second overall draft pick, uh, former NHL defenseman, most of his career with the Ottawa Senators. And, of course, you heard the bad news over the weekend, uh, Brian Murray passing away at the age of 74 of colon cancer GM, uh, former GM and head coach of uh, the Senators, heavily involved with uh, building that organization. They were really good. You know what, 05, 06, 07, they went to the cup final. Those were uh, Wade Redden's peak years as well. So he's going to tell us about that. The Eskimos show with head coach Jason Moss is on tap tonight. That'll be coming up at 7.30. Uh, Kellen, you'll like this. It's sort of good news, I guess. I guess you won't like the whole story, but it's mm-hmm. taken a bit of a positive turn. You're you're a big wrestling fan. Yes. Ric Flair out of surgery and apparently resting. I read that after yes. having a, a medical scare over the last couple of days. So hopefully he turns uh, turns uh, turns out uh, to be okay. What is he? I believe he's 68 years yep. of age. What is he? Something like a 19-time WWE slash WWF champion? Is he it that is, high? He is to pro wrestling what Muhammad Ali was to boxing. Well, perhaps without the racial implications and taking a stance on social issues. Oh, just, yeah. Just, Fair, okay, but oh, just the right. superstar I, I, factor. I, I would yeah. hesitate. <laughs> okay. When you say the Muhammad Ali of something, I tend to think about all the out-of-ring out of stuff as well. Oh, okay. But fair comment. Yes. Uh, all right. But absolute legend. What do they call him, Nature hear. Boy? Where does that nickname come from? Uh, he was a fan of the original Nature Boy, who was Buddy Rogers, who wrestled for uh, Vince McMahon Sr., who was Vince McMahon uh, Jr.'s uh Father in the fifties and sixties and that's just a, a, if you Google Buddy Rogers, that's the that's All the right. whole deal. But yeah, the, so the Nature Boy name is a tribute to Buddy Rogers, who was Ric Flair's favorite. All wrestler. right. Well, yeah. hopefully Ric Flair is going to recover out of surgery and uh, resting. Cristiano Ronaldo, one of the top three soccer players in the world, five game suspension. He plays for Real, uh, Real Madrid. They were playing Barcelona in the Spanish Super Cup, which is a little bigger than the Spanish Cup. Uh, they won the game 3-1. He uh, gets a one-game suspension because he got a red card, and then he gets another four games for shoving an official. And uh, he, he got a he got a red card, or sorry, he got a yellow card for for celebrating a goal a little too excessively, and then he got a yellow card for diving. And so then two yellows make a red, and then he gave the ref a little shove in the back afterwards. So he got booted out of the game. Five-game suspension for him. Could have got as much as 12 games. So some people would argue that he got off a little easy. But that's a that's a big deal. I mean, that's like a Crosby, McDavid, and Ovechkin, some big star like that, getting a suspension for, uh, for shoving a ref. So that's the news there. Dennis Shapovalov, the young Canadian tennis player who shocked Rafael Nadell last week in the Rogers Cup. I watched the end of that match after uh, the end of the Eskimos game. He shoots up to 67th in the world rankings from 143rd after making the semifinals of the Rogers Cup. So that's pretty cool. Well, more news and notes throughout the show. We got time for a quick call from John here. 
John, you're on Inside Sports. You must have been missing me, buddy. You're calling in right at the start of the show. Oh, man, yeah. I was either the 13th or the 15th original caller. I think we talked about Stephen Giles being a quarterback for us. But you know what, Reed? <laughs> um, I'm glad you're back. Uh, have you got time for a golf joke? I got about a minute. So Sammy Sneed said to this youngster, he said, Son, you're standing too close to the ball after you hit it. <laughs> that sums up my golf game, Reed. <laughs> that, that, that's that, that's a good one. Did you watch any of the PGA Championship oh, over the I weekend? Did. Man, alive! Was that exciting or what? John, I got to see the final few holes. Uh, as you know, I love watching the golf majors. I'm a little dismayed, though. The golf ratings for the four majors this year were not strong, and I've been reading and hearing stuff that the millennials and the hipster generation are not playing golf. So I hope this isn't the beginning of the end for, for one of the sports I love. But yeah, uh, I me guess, too. I guess we'll see over the next uh, 10 to 20 years. Reed, John, is there any good news coming on injuries? Well, I said off the top, it, it looks like Duke Williams is okay, Gary Peters is okay, Sorensen should be back, and Danny Grew should be back. So they might be able to show oh, up the old man, line. Oh, man, that is good. But Sewell and Howard, now the D-line's getting it. But eventually some of these guys are going to start getting healthy. John, I hope you can keep listening because I got Mike Benavides coming up after the break. Break, okay? I can hardly wait. Thanks, Reed. Right on. The Eskimos DC and assistant head coach when we get back. This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. The Edmonton Eskimos back at work. They will play in Winnipeg on Thursday, and I'm pleased to welcome back to the show the Eskimos assistant head coach and defensive coordinator Mike Benavides. Mike, welcome to Inside Sports. How are you doing? Doing great. How are you doing, Rick? I'm doing very well. Great to have you on the show. Uh, well, you can't have a better start. As a football team, seven and zero. It's it's look. I know you guys are always looking ahead, and uh, the work ethic has to be every day. But but you got to be enjoying the ride so far this year. No, I mean exactly right. As you said, it can't be any better in terms of the record. Seven and zero is exactly where you want to be. Um, you know, we're getting all the points that we could get, which is two every time we play, which is awesome. And uh, you know, the growth and progression of the team and the roster and all that kind of stuff too is encouraging. But you're right. I mean, you have to sit there and reflect a little bit. And right now, where we're sitting after a third of the season, seven and zero is pretty damn sweet. And I think the entire nation is talking about it. And it's uh, it's a good place to be. Certainly better than the alternative. I got a question for you, and you probably remember a couple of years ago, actually around this time of year, it was at the beginning of August, the the Toronto Blue Jays went on an incredible run and wound up making the playoffs. And I got to interview Buck Martinez, the former player who's now a Mm -hmm. broadcaster with the team. And I and I said, you know, they seem to be having a lot of fun and really confident, and they're winning a lot of games. I, I said, where does this come from? And and Buck's been in his sport a long time, and you've been in your sport a while. And Buck says, well, that's the million dollar question: what comes first, the winning or the confidence? Uh, I don't know if there's an absolute answer, but what do you think it is with this team? No, you know what it is? You know, it's really feeling good about the amount of work you put in and the work ethic you put in. And, and, you know, there's history with some players when you see a Mike Riley perform or you see an Odell Willis perform. So it's a combination of experience and what you know and what you anticipate can occur and what people have accomplished previously. And then I think throughout the week, you work hard, you work hard, you put your nose to the grindstone, you come out of practice and you feel prepared. And then you go on the game and you go with confidence. I mean, it just, I, I think it's a, 
perpetuates on its, itself, meaning that if you work hard, you get confidence, you win, you get confidence, and you feel, you know, it's like anything else. If you feel prepared, you're going to have a, a good feeling about yourself, and then when it does pan out and you get some fruits of your labor, it just build on that. And I just think right now the group's been working, seeing success, and it just builds from there. And, you know, you're going to feel good about life when you're 7-0, and and you feel good when you see so many new faces perform and step up, um, that it just breeds confidence. I really believe that it comes out of your work ethic and seeing the results on the practice field. Mike Benavides joining us on Inside Sports. You know, Mike, you, you've been a coach, head coach, coordinator for, for, for a long time, and uh, you know how it works. The, uh, mm-hmm. the coach is always a genius when the team wins, and uh, maybe yeah. people think he's not so smart when the team loses. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, you know, a year ago, a year ago you, you know, you and your defense were under criticism a little bit, and now uh, Eskimos fans, uh, I hear some of them saying, oh, man, I'm, I'm glad we, we, were, we were patient with Mike. I, I know you don't you don't pay attention to the criticism too much you can't in a job like you but uh just sort of you know how has the last year and a third gone you know for you personally and maybe getting through some of that rocky times and some of that criticism to now a pretty good spot yeah no i mean that's part of the business and what you know when you've been doing this for two decades you're going to go through the ups and downs that's kind of like life 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 resembles football and vice versa and you go through your ups and downs and you know you kind of reveal a little bit about yourself and you learn through it we know that when we got started a year ago there's a lot of new different pieces we knew we were a new uh coaching staff coming in with uh, a new group of people that just won a championship and had just experienced a lot of success so as coach moss said it was going to take a process it was going to take time and certainly it did take the first you know first third of the year last year maybe to get to know each other and get things going and maybe get pieces where it needed to be but but as Coach Moss says, you know, there was nobody better in the last third as a defense or last half last year as a defense. And we, we took some winning last year, went through, obviously won the first playoff game, didn't get what we wanted in the second playoff game, obviously, and then get to the cup, which is always about that. But I just think it's just growth and through time, and, and, and you just keep doing it long enough as I have that you understand that it's a building process and it takes time. And, you know, people have the right to have their opinions. No doubt I'm a football fan myself, and I got my own opinions. But <laughs> it's just, you know, you know what you go through you've lived through experiences you know as i've told people i was 0-5 and i won a great cup i think people remember that in 2011 when i was with bc i also was 11 and 0 in 2005 and the edmonton eskimos beat us in the western final so you know it takes a lot of different shapes a lot of different turns every season is a little bit of a different animal and the dynamics and anatomy of each game is different but i just i'm blessed i love what i do i think we got great players i think we got a great organization and i think those consistencies you know pan out over time you know mike i'm glad you brought up that 05 season when you were 11 and 0 because i had that in my notes to ask you about that the, the lions uh, wound up finishing 12 and 6 and as you mentioned lost the the west final to that eskimos team that really had three storybook victories to win to win the great cup mm-hmm. is there a lesson out of that season that you might apply to this year or, or am i getting ahead of myself here no, I mean, no, exactly right. And I've talked about that several times. I mean, every single week you have to try and learn. Every single week you have to make sure that you push the envelope to be better than you were last week. I think every single week um, there's a whole new journey. And, you know, you talk about the cliche about one to know every single week. I mean, as I tell people and I learned from that experience, you're 11 and 0, uh, you know, feeling good about things. But when things started to slip away from us, as you said, one and six in the, in the end and not feeling great, have the home buy and the home 
playoff game, and you know Edmonton comes in there with momentum. I mean, this game is so much about momentum, so much about having your players playing well at the right time. You know, lucky with the injury thing. Um, that there's lessons to be learned there. It's like, hey, seven and zero is great, but we want eight and zero and continue to build it. Now, you know, the goal is to go undefeated, but if it doesn't occur, you learn from every lesson, and uh, certainly that taught me that in 2005. Continuity on the coaching staff. Now, you, maybe you haven't had as much continuity on the playing side of it with injuries playing into that, but but you sort of touched on this, but can you just expand on that for fans, the value of continuity on the coaching staff and how that helps the day-to-day work you guys do? Well, there's just so much there just because, you know, you have so many moving pieces and there's so much strategy evolved in planning that, you know, you're trying to feel each other out, meaning that you haven't worked with each other. So how do you want to plan the day? How do you want to go through practice? What's your ultimate goal from day one, two, and three of practice? When you're going through a game plan situation, I mean, are you on the same page, meaning are you seeing the same things? Or does someone have enough courage to bring up a point to the, to the field or to the meeting? So there's just so many different things because there's so many moving parts in football that, you know, the fact that you're going through the first experience, you're going through the first camp, you're going through the first winning streak, losing streak. There's just so many little intricacies of planning and day-to-day work that, you know, the unspoken word becomes part of, hey, this is how we did it, this is how we do it. And everybody knows their task at hand, and everybody could go ahead and specialize in their area. And, um, you know, it just breeds, um, breeds confidence and understanding of what it is and needs to get done. And uh, continuity, when you look at the great football organizations, and you could talk about Steelers, you could talk other organizations, continuity just breeds success. You know how to make it work. You know how to get the most out of your players. And uh, you become a, a moving machine. And uh, you fill in the gaps when they have to be filled in without having to say, hey do this or do that we all know what the task at hand is yeah well that's a great explanation and i don't know if everybody if any organization is ever going to be quite like the steelers with what is it three head coaches in the last yeah. half century or something that's our goal that's <laughs> our goal <laughs> we'd love that here at edmonton for sure yeah. hey uh mike i want to i just want to ask you one more and I, and I know you know football is an intricate team game and it, you know it's not just the 12 starters on d because you're shuttling people in and out but i, I do want to ask you about one guy because i think he's he's deserving of a lot of attention here and that's Kenny Ladler, who I think fans have, you know, seen over the last year and a half. And and he, it just seems he starts to make he start like it's like when you guys need a play, need a tackle, need an interception. There's Kenny Ladler. Like what what is he doing that he always seems to be in the right place at the right time? You know what's happening. You talked about last year and some of the struggles. I mean, he was a fresh rookie last year, new to the league, new to the team, new to the defense. You know, and it, it, there's a learning curve. There's a learning curve on how to learn how to play a long season. There's a learning curve on how does the CFL game work. There's a learning curve on how can I take my assignment to the next level and have an intrinsic learning of what the offense is going to do and maybe jump the play or make the play or anticipate what they're going to do. And I think now it's a matter of his confidence that he bred last year coming into his second season of the CFL, coming into training camp, knowing what to expect, knowing what route combinations are, knowing what the offensive concepts are, and even knowing who these players are that he's lining up against. And I think he's just taken his level of play to the next level where his anticipation is there. He's extremely athletic. He just loves the game. And he's one of the, I think he is the best nickelback in our league in position that he plays just because he's making so many plays. And you talked about confidence earlier on. Well, when he 
makes that big play, when he makes that tackle, now he's expecting to make it, and he's got a lot of confidence in what he's doing. He understands what he's saying. It's not confusing him anymore. He doesn't have to think, so it becomes, uh, you know, it's a muscle memory thing. He anticipates and makes a play without having to think about it, and, you know, he's just playing with unbelievable confidence. He makes a ton of plays, and like I said, I think he's, you know, him and Odell are our two best defensive players, a little question, and Laddie, I think, is the best at his position in our league. Well, he's been great. Uh, it's been fun to watch so far. It's going to be another tough test against Winnipeg on uh, on Thursday, and uh, hopefully it gets to eight here. Mike, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much for making time for me out of your busy day, and I hope we can find time later on in the season too. Anytime. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. Well, thank you, Mr. Talbot. Great season last year for the Oilers. We're counting down to the new one. We're enjoying a fine Eskimo season as well. We have all the games for you on 630 Chad. My name is Reed Wilkins at 634. Really appreciate you tuning in tonight. This portion of the show presented by Action Furnace, home of the fixed right or its free guarantee. You can visit actionfurnace.ca. You can also always text me at 630-630. I like this text. Of course, uh, this week, Eskimos Bombers. Next Friday, Eskimos Rough Riders. That's always fun when the Green Riders come to town. This texter says, I think Chris Jones might have figured out his team. Watch out for Saskatchewan. Could be a green wedding. Now, I believe that's a Game of Thrones reference. I'm not that... I know there's something called the Red Wedding in Game of Thrones. That's apparently quite shocking. So I appreciate that text, even though I don't fully understand the scope of the Red Wedding at this point. So I I really appreciate that. That texter gets a plus one in the standings. Uh, This texter says, dude, golf is done. Between immigration and millennials, both golf and hockey are done. That and the price of golf is absolutely ridiculous. All right. Well, that's an interesting take, isn't it? Uh, First of all, I will agree, golf is costly. and, And I think the three things that may be affecting the popularity of playing golf are the time to play around, the cost to play around, and quite frankly, the difficulty of the game. Because it's pretty hard to get even average at it unless you play a lot and to play a lot you have to have time and money and a lot of us don't have that uh especially younger people usually don't have as much money uh so maybe that's what he's talking about with the millennials i i find i really find this comment interesting from this texture who didn't sign his or her name uh between immigration and millennials both golf and hockey are done uh i don't know is that a suggestion that uh non-Canadians don't play golf? Because I'm pretty sure a lot of non-Canadians play golf. Pretty sure there are a lot of British and Scottish people and South African people. Uh, Vijay Singh is from Fiji. Uh, you got Hideki Matsuyama, one of the top men's players, uh, men uh, men player in the world, male players in the world. He's from, uh, he's from Japan. Uh, perhaps it is mostly a, a white sport, but I... But I, I Maybe I'm missing the point. You know, maybe Ezra Levant can call in and clarify what this texture means. He does call the station occasionally. (laughs) Uh, 
I'm just going to read this sentence again from this texture. Between immigration and millennials, both golf and hockey are done. He put and, and in all capitals letters. Just like Red Blacks. Uh, I think hockey's pretty popular in this country. And if you listen to this show and look at, if you, if you listen to Rob and I after games, you hear a lot of voices calling in with accents after games. And uh, you know when in uh, in Toronto when they have them all gather in Maple Leaf Square uh, in Maple Leaf Square to watch the games on the big screen, you see a lot of different skin colors in that crowd. I hope I'm using the politically correct terms, but you see brown people, you see Asian people, you know, you you see a lot of different people in that crowd. I somehow don't think immigration is killing the sport of hockey. Anyway, you can always text 63630. I got 30 seconds for Elvis, then I got to bring Wade Redden onto the show. Go ahead, Elvis. Hey, Reed, good to see you back, bud. Good to be and back. I just, I just, I just want to say, tell the person who phoned in and talked about golf dying and all that, tell him to phone around and try to get a booking at a golf course in Edmonton. Well, that was me that brought that up, that I've been reading stuff like that. It's been declining the last 10 years or so in popularity. Yeah, you'd never know it at our golf courses. They're jam-packed. You try to get out on a Saturday or Sunday, you it's it's next to impossible. Okay. And hockey, we've had, we've had a hockey team for 10 years that didn't make the playoff. And look look, look at how people still stuck with that team. It's amazing. I'm going to keep listening. Looking forward to Reading. Thanks, Reed. Okay, perfect. Thanks a lot, Elvis. Appreciate it. You can text 630-630. Blue Jays, by the way, leading Tampa Bay 2-1. They're in the bottom of the fifth. Brian Murray passed away over the weekend, 74 years of age. He... Uh, uh, worked for several NHL teams, mostly associated and especially over the last decade and a half or so with the Ottawa Senators. Uh, he had colon cancer. He spoke very openly about that, and maybe he had it for a long time and might have been able to uh, survive a little longer if he'd, if he'd found out about it a little earlier. To uh, remember Brian Murray, I'm pleased to welcome former Ottawa Senators defenseman Wade Redden to the show. Wade, welcome to Inside Sports. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Reed. Thanks. How are you doing? Well, I'm doing great. It's uh, it's nice to talk to you. We've we've done a few of these over the years. Uh, maybe this one not not the the best circumstances, but but I'm glad you're willing to uh, take the time to talk about a man who who had a pretty big impact on you. I would say, uh, obviously, Brian Murray passed away over the weekend, and he was a big part of the Ottawa Senators. And uh, you know, just when you hear the name Brian Murray Wade, what comes to mind? Well, yeah, I mean. He was great for our team when he came in. I mean, when I think back to him, he came in right after the lockout there, 0405, and we had a pretty good team, and he kind of helped us get to, to another level and, um, you know, had a really good way of, of uh, approaching the game. I think the guys really responded well to him. You mentioned that he, that he had a, a bit of a sense of humor, and, and I know reading about him, people describe him as, you know, a funny guy or, or, or a good storyteller. Having said that, he was still in a, an authority position with your team, and obviously, you know, the coach has to set the tone. How did he sort of balance being that authority figure and being the coach with still maybe having a, a sarcastic quip or, or a little story? You know, so yeah. he was able to pull it off, I guess, eh? Yeah, well, I think at the end of the day, he just treated us like men and kind of, you know, had a relationship with each guy and tried to, you know, wasn't beating around the bush, wasn't trying to, you know, to to kind of uh, come from an approach of playing mind games. He was straight up and told you how he felt, and I think guys really respected that about him. 
Uh, I remember a situation. He was running the power play, and they had, I, was, I was out there with a few other guys, and we were doing it in practice, and he made a quip about, because like, he had taught uh, junior high back in the day, so he said, you guys should be more like junior high girls basketball team. We're like, what are you talking about? Because he said when he told them to go somewhere, they'd go there. You guys are just doing your own thing all the time. Like, yeah, no one listens to me. So he, he just kind of approached, uh, you know, from a real-life perspective, I guess, and kind of related things uh, with a bit of humor for sure. So it was it was a lot of fun to be around. And, um, you know, there's a lot of those situations. You know, you, you guys obviously had that really good run. Yeah, you know, yeah, I think you guys had 113 points, and then you wound up going all the way to the Stanley Cup final in 06-07 before Anaheim was finally able to beat you guys. But you, you know, you took down everybody else pretty efficiently in those playoffs. And Wade, you had, you know, some really great offensive seasons under Brian, where you were one of the best point point producing defensemen in the NHL. Was that anything uh, he did? Was there any? Uh, I don't know if liberation is the is the right word that you got offensively <laughs> under him, or how come your numbers seem to peak with Brian as your coach? Well, I don't know. I mean, that's a good question. I I mean, for sure, played some good hockey on them, and we had a, a high offensive team, too. We had some guys that could score. I think I was a, a product of a bit of that, too. And I think the style that he kind of – he come in and just told us to play, basically. A lot of it was go out there, use your instincts, um, you know, we had Alfredson, Spezza, Heatley were, were a line at that time, and they were filling the net on a regular basis. So um, the power play was strong. I had an opportunity to play on the on the power play. So I think, you know, we had a, a scoring team, and and I was, uh, you know, obviously chipping in a bit there too. So I think the way that we played, we, we scored a lot of goals that year, those years, and, you know, he – he kind of helped give us the confidence and then uh, pushed us to that next, you know, to another level, I think. Wade Redden joining us on Inside Sports, former Ottawa Senators defenseman, remembering uh, former Senators coach Brian Murray. You know, from what you're telling me, I, I find this interesting, Wade, and maybe it's a comment on how pro athletes like to be treated. Um, that, you know, you mentioned he treated you like men. He, he didn't go over the top about about anything, yet yet you knew who was in charge all, all, all the time, and you seem to have a lot of respect to him. So, maybe, I mean, maybe that's a statement for uh, – I think there's maybe a bit of a myth out there that, that coaches like to go in the dressing room and knock over a rack of hockey sticks and punch a pop machine. That doesn't really – that's not really what motivates guys, is it? Well, I mean, I guess at certain points, but I mean, that can be done once, maybe through a year or twice. You know, Brian, for sure, he had a, you know, he was an intense guy, so he, if things aren't going well, you'd hear about it, but it, um, you know, but on the most, for the most part, I mean, he was uh, an even keel guy, he was a upfront guy, and, um, you know, expected the best from you, and you wanted it to work, I think that's something that's demanded from from every coach, but he had a way to you know, it wasn't all about, uh, you know, there was some fun involved too. So I think that's what I appreciated a lot was, was that he enjoyed coming to the rink. You could see that, you could feel that. And and even on the bench, he was, you know, he was, he was quick with a, with a joke or to lighten things up at certain times. So it wasn't all business all the time. It was, you know, it was a game. And at the end of the day, that's, that's really what it is. And I think that's the way he, 
he approached it. So, you know, I, I enjoyed that side of it for sure. Yeah. Well, Wade, I, I appreciate you sharing some memories. Uh, I know it's a tough time for, well, I mean, I know he worked for other franchises besides the Senators, but certainly people uh, in and around Ottawa and uh, a big part of the hockey world was lost. And I, and I know you're, you're enjoying your time with, uh, with the Nashville Predators. We'll, we'll talk about that next time we have you on. Thanks so much, Wade. All right. Yeah, Reed. Great. Nice to chat with you. We'll talk soon. Thanks, man. Always great to catch up with Wade Redden. Had a uh, fine career with the Senators. Yeah, I mean, really, uh, I guess, you know, 05, 06, 07, kind of the peak for them. Some really good teams and coming up just short in the Cup Final in 07 against the Anaheim Duff. Good perspective there from Wade about Brian Murray. Uh, you know, said certainly a guy who, who was able to earn the players' respect. Wasn't necessarily a yeller and a screamer, though I think Wade suggested he might have picked his spots once or twice a year to deliver a message or two, but generally an up-tempo guy, treated the players with respect like men, uh, knew what their strengths were and and pointed them in the direction where they could carry out those strengths. So the hockey world is going to miss him for sure. This is Inside Sports on 630 Chet. It's 649. Really appreciate you tuning in tonight. But speaking of hockey, I don't know if you if you saw this picture out there on social media and the good old internet. Phil Kessel, photo with the Stanley Cup filled up with hot dogs. Of course, after he left Toronto, there was the report, not sure how valid it was, that uh, he enjoyed visiting a certain hot dog stand in, in Toronto, perhaps a little too often. So he filled up the Stanley Cup with with hot dogs today. I thought that was uh, that was pretty funny. The Edmonton prospects, by the way, have uh, made the league final for the Western Major Baseball League. They lost 13-7. Wild game. They were actually down 13-1. Got a bit of a rally in the eighth, but lost 13-7. They are playing game two at Swift Current tonight. Don't forget, if you want to see some local baseball at beautiful Remax Field, Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, at Remax, I guess we still have to say Thursday is if necessary uh, till the prospects win a game. FC Edmonton got a 1-1 tie with NASL Powerhouse, the New York Cosmos over the weekend. Daryl Fordyce, who came back between the spring and fall seasons, able to notch a goal for Edmonton in that game. FC Edmonton 1-1-1 in the uh, second half of the season. They're just one point out of first game. And another local team going to a big event in the lovely city of Pittsburgh. It's a, uh, it's a team we profiled before on the show. It is Evil Roller Derby, something that's really fun to watch. They got one of the best names out there, the Evil Dead. Their captain is Jessica Cross, and she joins us now. Jessica, you're on Inside Sports with Reed. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing great. Now, uh, you're, you, you are, Jessica, do you still play? I do, yes. Okay, and tell people what your playing name is and how you arrived at that. Uh, sure. So I go by Tron, and it has been my roller derby name for 10 years since I started playing, and it was just my nickname through my friends before that. So I kind of came with it. All right. Now, when it comes to roller derby, is it true that nobody plays under their real name? They all have a pseudonym that they, you know, they put on their jersey and that they get introduced by? Uh, it's actually not true. Some girls, uh, some women do go by their own names. Um, it's just less common, but it's becoming more common. Okay, and is it also true that once you get a name, nobody else can have it? Like, you have to actually register it? It, it used to be, but since it's grown so much and there's, it's so hard to track, it's gone a little lax on that. But it, back in the day, yes, absolutely, you couldn't, we couldn't duplicate names. 
Okay, but if I find another Tron, I should tell her you can't be Tron. You're the you original should. Tron. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, this is awesome. You, you guys are, are going to a big event in, in, in Pittsburgh, which I think is a first for, for the Evil Dead, but we'll, we'll talk about that later on. Give, give me a little, a little background uh, on roller derby in Edmonton. I, I'm sure you know, and maybe it frustrates you sometimes, that a lot of people associate this sport with, with probably the 1970s, which, which I think is a little inaccurate now. Give us a little <laughs> bit of a sense of the recent timeline here in Edmonton. Sure. Well, there are two leagues in Edmonton. The first one was Oil City uh, Roller Derby, and they are still around, and they also um, are a co-ed league. So if you're a man interested in playing, that's where you could play. And then our league started a little while afterwards, uh, about 11 years ago. Okay. And how many teams in your league? We have three house teams that play locally, and then we have our all-star team, the Evil Dead, and we also have a B team. Okay, so the Evil Dead is basically the, the traveling team, the best of your exactly. league that represents Edmonton when you go out. How, how long have you been involved, and what got you into it? Sure. Uh, I've been playing for 10 years, so pretty much since the beginning in Edmonton. And I just learned about it through a woman I worked with, and she, she had just gotten uh, involved with it when it first when our league first found, was founded. And she, uh, she mentioned it at work, and I said, that sounds really fun. And I went to a practice. And I don't think I even I don't even think I let go of the boards the whole time, but I still <laughs> thought it was awesome. What do you like about it? What keeps you going back? Oh, good question. Um, it's so it's I love that it's full contact. It makes it feel makes me feel very strong. I, I love playing it. It's also like a very like strategy heavy game. There's a lot of a lot of rules get to know and kind of work around and i really enjoyed learning as much as i can about it and kind of working out my own strategies to bring to our game were you were you an athletic uh person before this i mean did you play other sports did you like contact type sports i did i played rugby in high, high school for a couple of years but i hadn't played any sports for a handful of years when i started playing roller derby so i had it was kind of kind of what got me back into playing sports how and I I've seen your team play obviously and I've seen you play, mm-hmm. but can you give people a sense of how physical and perhaps even dangerous the sport is? Uh, definitely. So we'll we try to keep it safe by not allowing really dangerous contact like tripping or shots to the head. But pretty much like anywhere shoulders down, not in the back, is fair game. Um. It gets people. I've definitely we've seen, definitely had some injuries in our league. Even this year, we have had a broken. I think we've had a broken ankle. But I, for the most part, it it can be safe if you take care of yourself and um, like prehab anything you might get an injury for. And we wear we wear our protective gear: mouth guards, helmet, elbow pads, wrist guards, knee pads. But definitely like. Things do happen. It can get pretty rough. Right. So it's it's not anymore. It's it'd be like hockey or football. There's contact. Sometimes you get hurt, but it's not crazier than any other any other sport. Okay. I would say so. Jessica Cross joining us, uh, captain of the Evil Dead Edmonton Roller Derby team. All right. Tell us why you're so excited about going to Pittsburgh in the middle of August. <laughs> uh, well, it's the D2 playoff. So that's Division Two, which is teams ranked. Things like 37th through 52nd in the world, and we're this is our first time there, and we're only one of four teams in Canada that are going to a playoff this year. 
So they rank all the teams, and you guys are in the. You, you, so you said you're fifty second. We are actually fifty seventh. We snuck in to okay. some other teams declining. Okay, but still, how big is it for the Evil Dead to get to compete against other? And I believe there's the, the teams from Germany and the United Kingdom. So really, you're mm-hmm. in an international field. This must be a great measuring stick for you guys, or it will oh, be. Absolutely, the WFTDA is uh, has about I think over four hundred member leagues from all over the world. Okay, awesome. So, have you? What's the farthest you've traveled before, or or how wide reaching have you played before? Um, we haven't left North America yet, but we did. We this year we've been to St. Louis. Um, we've been to Colorado. Um, last year we went to Seattle, and we've been to Boise, Idaho, and wow. a few other. So this is this places. is serious <laughs> commitment. I mean, if you're in this, you got to be willing to travel and maybe yes. spend some money and and keep in shape and all that kind of stuff. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, so it, it goes this weekend. Um, it's, you guys are going in as the 15th seats. So you're a bit of an underdog, but it's going to be a great experience. Tell people, and especially, you know, any, any, any ladies out there that might, wanna, might be interested here, how can they find out more about Evil Dead and get involved? Sure, you can find Evil Roller Derby on Facebook, and we accept new skaters all year round. We have a new skater class every Thursday, and if you're not sure if you're going to like it, you want to check it out before you commit to buying all the equipment we'll help you out with finding some spare gear to borrow while while you test the waters and then if you really like it you can invest in your own equipment okay jessica thanks for coming on the show i wish you all the best uh please please let me know when you get back how you did okay oh i will all right that's jessica cross she plays under the name tron with evil dead roller derby love the name e-v-i-l-l-e and then dead. All the best to them in Pittsburgh. All right, we got the news coming up. You can text 630-630. We are going to have some stories when we get back. A young man who's been involved with the local baseball league for 50 years. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.